Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings, the only place to come to talk about money, relationships, business, all under the guise and context of spirituality. At least I think it's the only place. My heart's telling me it's the only place. So yeah, here we are. If you don't notice, we are not going for a walk today. We are going for a drive. I'm headed back to the town that I live um, from Denver. And we, I'm in this energy and I'm like, I feel like creating. I feel like flowing. I feel like getting into the state that pours out just massive wisdom or whatever. And as always, these talks are more for me than anything. So if you like some stuff, great. If you don't like some stuff, that's also great. You know, it's a buffet. We don't have to agree with everything, right? You don't have to align with it 100% of the time. And also, I want you to be aware that if you hear me and say, wow, and say to yourself or some part of you says to yourself, wow, Larry's really got it figured out. You know, maybe I'll be there one day. Don't do that to yourself. Honor where you are on the journey as I honor where I am on the journey. There's still things I work on. I'm working on now. Um, You know, it hit me pretty hard on the last podcast when I did the business partner thing and said to myself, man, all my business partnerships were codependent. And I really had to look at the team I'm assembling and say, wait, wait a minute. (laughs) Am I codependent on them? Or are they codependent on me? Or any any of them? And so I'm having to look at it myself and say, shit. (laughs) Um, Maybe I need to take a step back and like readdress the energy and reset the intention and look at, okay, am I delegating this because I don't, my heart doesn't call to do it? Or am I delegating this because I want someone else there to, like, be there uh, because I think I can't do it. So why am I saying all this? I just spent a few days in a seminar, probably my last one that I'm not on the stage. Uh, Who knows? I don't know the future. But I just sat in a seminar for a little while, and I watched the speaker... The energy in the room was good for what it was. But I watched the speaker be almost like a drill sergeant. Like, you need to come up to me to meet me instead of I honor where you are. And that's why I want to just say this. I honor where you are on the journey. And your journey is going to be different than my journey. And that's totally okay. In fact, that's perfect. We don't all want the same exact journey because then we, it would be like watching a rerun on television. We want difference, we want variation, we want contrast so that as we come together as a human family, but definitely as a community, you know, the financial shaman or unblocking wealth or money awakenings community, maybe we'll just call it the unblocking wealth community. As we come together, the unblocking wealth community, I want to know your experiences with this stuff. I want to know yourself journey, your, your journey of self, right? I want to know all that. I want to soak up the lessons you've learned. So to please don't believe that A, your 
journey is any less than mine or where you are on your journey is you're supposed to be somewhere else don't don't let that thoughts those thoughts get to you uh, there was definitely this feeling in the room of he's the speaker is better than us but I don't ever want you to feel that with me I want you to feel like I'm one of your fellow students who happens to have the floor or your attention or the mic or whatever and I'm maybe a stu- few steps ahead and maybe in, in just in this subject you know if we were to switch and start talking about uh, I, I don't know the stuff I'm just learning about which is you know body awareness stuff and uh, how emotions you know cause illness in the body negative emotions are trapped and and unprocessed trauma obviously I talk about trauma a lot and processing emotions a lot and emotional intelligence a lot but I'm still learning how it affects the body so you might have all that figured out or whatever and I might have the money thing figured out so we need like puzzle pieces to come together you see so don't ever believe that your journey is any less important or any of that less than mine Uh, there's a tendency for some people to feel inferior and then tear down the person which uh, does happen but I don't even want you to feel inferior by something I did or said now if that happens naturally that's an invitation for you to go and process that emotion which is to simply ask yourself what would I have to believe about this which is you know maybe one of them is I'm not where I'm supposed to be I just worked with a client on this like I'm not where I'm supposed to be and what's so fascinating about that I'm going on a little bit of a detour here what's so fascinating about the belief that I'm not where I'm supposed to be is how would you know how would you know how would you know you're not where you're supposed to be first of all that's complete non-acceptance of where you are right now right you can't love yourself if you don't accept yourself you can't love where you are if you don't accept where you are i accept i'm at exactly where i'm supposed to be because I, oh, i'm learning and evolving every day getting new insights and new uh, discussions and new great amazing awareness but <sighs> the voice in your head your ego your pattern your programming or whatever the, the ego is telling you you're not where you're supposed to be. How the fuck would it know? Because what, the, what happens is you expose, when you ask that question, how would you know, ego, what, that I'm, where I'm supposed to be? You expose that the ego has this crazy life plan, usually what your parents wanted for you. Oh, you know, everybody wants their fucking kids to be lawyers and doctors. I would never want that for my children. No offense to any doctors and lawyers who are listening. Uh, but I've worked with plenty of doctors and lawyers who are fucking miserable, super unhealthy, stressed out of their minds, crazy chronic diseases, uh, because it's not a fun, no, neither of those are fun jobs. I, I think we can all agree on that. They're not fun jobs, unless it's maybe like a private practice doctor who's like, you know, Patrick Adams or something, I don't know, maybe your personality is out, out, outdoing the shittiness of it, but... Um, Anyway, I'm I'm getting off another tangent. Let's come back to... uh, I honor where you are on your journey. How would your ego know that you're not on the right path? Why would what your parents wanted for you be what your heart wants for you? That doesn't make any sense. 
So when your ego says, or something inside you says, you're not where you're supposed to be, or you're off track, ask it genuinely, with curiosity. How would you know that? Where am I supposed to be? What transpired that got me off track? Like, get curious. I'm not trying to accuse the ego of being full of shit, which of course it is. But like, get curious with it. Like, start talking to it. Like, oh, okay, where am I supposed to be? How do you know that I'm supposed to be there? Do you do realize that if I'm supposed to be there, but I'm here, that God is saying I'm supposed to be right here because where else would I be if not for the here and now? Where you're supposed to be is an imagined place. You're supposed to be in your imagination feeling guilty for where you are. And that shame and guilt and grief for where you're not suffocates you today and makes you not appreciate today and loses all of the evolution and wisdom and messages that come through the space of being at peace of, of with who you are and where you are. When you can quiet the mind, including it telling you that you're not where you're supposed to be, the whole point of quieting the mind is to listen to the heart. Now, yes, in the stillness and silence, there is peace. And if your mind is constantly running, it is like a breath of fresh air. It's like a vacation from your bullshit. So all of this, these beautiful emotions start to come through when you just quiet the mind. Because well, for most of us, not everybody, but for most of us, the mind is talking shit all day. right? It's telling you how unworthy you are how you're not good enough and how you're not doing the right thing how you're not where you're supposed to be all day long and so just getting a break from that your natural feelings of positivity love, happiness, joy, bliss, ease they naturally shine through so people get addicted to that I want to silence my mind so I can just feel this all the time I'm like yeah except you kind of have to use your mind still and you can't just silence the ego. Good luck with that. People have been trying to do that for fucking years. Like, no one has won that game. Not really. You have to defeat the ego, which means you're going to have to take the tools of especially how to process emotion and your emotional guidance system into your imagination and fight it on its own turf to win back your programming to undo your programming, reprogram, and win back your imagination. So every time you're, you do daydream, it's not of things that are, are shitty. And the internal monologue isn't, I suck, I'm not doing this right, no one loves me, no one cares about me, how am I ever going to get ahead, blah, 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 blah. You have to go into its territory and take back who you are. Well, who you are is not going to change. Take back the perception of who you are. Because the perception of who you are that is going through your lens is going to be vastly different than who you actually are. Unless you've done all the work that I'm talking about. Your perception of yourself creates your reality. But how do you clean the lens of the perception of yourself? You have to have another point in space. You have to have a heart. You see... What I watch most, so many people try to do it this way. They try to beat the mind from within the mind. That is not possible. If that was possible, Freud would have everything figured out. Oh, it was modern psychology, we'd all be fine. That's, we're, we're, we're fucked. We are more addicted to opioids and painkillers and drugs and alcohol. We're stress addicts, workaholics. 
when you ask somebody if they're happy, they look at you blankly unless they're high. And no offense to people that are on any kind of substance. I was, you know, I was a hardcore alcoholic for 24 years. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. As a whole, if you could beat the mind from within the mind, we wouldn't be where we are. You need the heart to cleanse the mind. You need another point in space. This is the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity looks like this. If you have been trained your whole life to see the glass as half empty, you don't know any other way. That is a singular perception. You can't even see any other perception of it. It's just half empty and that's how it is and that's sitting in your subconscious mind and that's how you handle reality. The glass is half empty. I don't have to think about that anymore. I've thought about it enough times for the subconscious to take it over. My, my parents said the glass is half empty enough times for my subconscious to take it over and that's all I see. Then someone comes like, along like me and says, well, have you noticed that the glass is half full as well? And you're like, if you're honest and open and not in full-blown denial, because there's a, there's a tendency to defend your position in fear of being wrong, right? The ego does not like its singular perception messed with. That's its throne. If you have a singular perception of anything, your ego is sitting on the throne. Your heart, your higher self, your soul wants multiple perceptions of everything to choose from, to constantly go up the ladder of vibration, of frequency. Abundance always begins with abundance of perceptions, okay? So you're seeing the glass is half full. If you can get out of the denial or the fear of being wrong and say, wow, I do see that. The glass is half empty and half full. It's just a difference of perception. Right? Singular perception is controlled by the ego. You're a puppet on a string. If you have at least two perceptions, and they're not like, you know, just variants of each other, right? Like, oh, the glass is half full and the glass is half full of water. It's like just a small variation, right? It's like, oh... It's not working hard, it's working smart. It's like, that's just a tiny variation of the same bullshit. If it's an actual opposite or a completely different perception, like the glass is half full, then immediately when a second, when a second perception is allowed to enter the self or the conscious awareness, immediately a third point in space is created. This is the Trinity. What do I mean by a third point in space is created? When you see two sides of a same situation, like the glass is half full and half empty, you now create the perceiver in this game. Because you have the glass half empty and the glass half full and the perceiver that is perceiving them both. And the perceiver is the one who gets to decide which one they want to choose to align with. If you were in the blackness of space with zero stars, just in a complete vacuum and abyss of nothingness, and you saw a star, one star, you couldn't tell how far it was from you or anything else. Now you put a second point in space, a planet, and you have the perceiver. Now you can start to see how far the two the, the star and the planet are away from each other and how, you, how far you are away from each of them, which creates the third dimension. 
you have to have two points in space that create the third, right? That's the trinity. And we'll go into that later. Now, so you're aware that you're the perceiver of the two different perceptions. Which one feels bad is the next step. If you're allowing a new perception into something. Which one feels bad? This goes to the emotional guidance system. This goes to the heart. Now you're bringing in the heart. Because the ego had the singular perception. You know which one it wants. The one you were stuck on the whole time. That's the program. I've seen it since birth that it was half full. You bring in this other perception. Now you're like, oh, I'm the perceiver. I get to choose. The heart. When you, when you focus on, okay, I'm choosing. I want to look at what's half empty. What does that look like? It feels bad. It half full feels good. That's your heart weighing in on the perception. It's saying, I want you to choose this one, the half full one. The ego wants you to go back in the cage, back in to the fucking carpet store, back to thinking the way, putting it back in control and it back on the throne. So why would anyone choose the old perception that makes them feel bad over the new perception that makes them feel good? I'll give you one guess. Why would anyone choose that if they fully saw and fully felt the two differences? This one sucks and feels bad, and this one feels great. Why would anyone choose to go back? Familiarity. It's familiar. And this one that the glass is half empty fuels my not good enough story, my victim story, that this is a hostile universe and I need to protect myself. And since all the other beliefs I have running in my head are built on that, I need to go back to that. Because then the universe doesn't make sense to me. My world doesn't make sense to me if I start going with how I want to feel good or if I start going toward good feelings. The world won't make sense to me anymore. It will be unfamiliar. And unfamiliar is unsafe because why? Because this is a hostile universe. Do you see the tangled spider web you're in? So many defense mechanisms to change. Because why? Because why would anyone... You see this with dictators. Why does anyone want to give up control? The only reason the United States has worked and functioned the way it has... And I mean, I'm no way saying that it's at all perfect or anywhere near perfect in the, in the context of, like, we could do better. But in the context of everything is perfect because everything is, it's fine. It's not a big deal. We're all evolving and it's perfectly where it's supposed to be. But I'm not trying to say that America has it right or has it wrong. What I am trying to say is the reason that it has functioned as well as it has, and you can judge that however you want, is because of the peaceful transition of power between both parties. The peaceful transition of power must be maintained. This is what everybody else who has the trouble with building a country comes up against, is they cannot find a way to have peaceful transition of power. We go in and we put on these fucking democracies everywhere, but no one wants to give up the power once they have it.
Why would the ego be any different? The ego is running those dictators. There's no, there's no dictator out there that's not a narcissist. That wouldn't make any sense. How is, explain to me, and you can send me an email if you want, the financial shaman at Gmail. Explain to me how a dictator would not be a narcissist. They think they need to be in control. They think control is what we want to do. Control is what the ego craves. The heart craves freedom, not control. It wants to break free of all the bondage. It wants to remove all the conditions of love. It wants to just be free to do whatever it wants. If you were aligned with the heart, you would never want to be a dictator. I don't. Even if I was in the leadership position, I would be always working myself out of a job and always trying to find a way to pass it down as fast as possible, ideally. Because you want to hand it over to the next generation. New blood, new thoughts, new ideas, new collaboration. Plus, I'm not going to be here forever. Anyway. Where was it? just see so many times people trying to beat the mind from within the mind it's like they we don't know that the, we're barely starting to figure out that the heart has neurons that it's a, we are trying to think with a different mind and that is what you're up against with your own evolution you're trying to think with a different mind than you've been taught to think your whole life your whole life you've been using the mental mind, the brain mind, the mental intelligence mind to do everything. But it has its limitations quite obviously expressed in our world today. Control, power, manipulation, violence. How do we not see that if there's still violence on the earth, it means we're not teaching our children conflict resolution skills. We're not teaching our children emotional intelligence as to not react violently. We're not teaching each other it either as adults. Because to do that would to take control away from the ego. What the fuck does this have to do with money or business, Larry? I'm going to tell you. Thank you for asking. <sighs> if you come up, a challenging, up against a challenging situation, you are going to need the Trinity at your ready. You're going to need multiple perceptions at the ready. I'm coming up against a challenging situation, a situation that's uncomfortable. I have to tell someone close to me that they're self-sabotaging. Not an easy conversation to have. I know that I want to go into it with curiosity and, and not be 100% sure that they are self-sabotaging. I want to make sure their heart isn't telling them what to do. That their heart isn't taking them down this primrose path to destruction. 
And then, of course, speak from my heart and, and tell them the way I see it with no attachment to outcome. But it's uncomfortable because I have a perception that it's going to be. When there could be just as easy, a different half is gla- glass is half full scenario that says it's going to be perfect. It's going to be exactly what you both need. You're both going to get so much out of it. It's going to make you stronger, a strong relationship, or it's going to remove this person until they're ready to step up. Both are amazing. Both are good. So, which one feels better? Obviously the one that's it's perfect for both of us. And, you know, it's going to happen exactly. It's going to strengthen our relationship and it's going to clarify things. That's the one that feels better. I don't know what's going to happen. Why wouldn't I stick with the one that feels better? Why wouldn't I want to keep that thought? Why wouldn't I also want to look at what makes me immediately be grumpy about it and think the bad, you know, to focus on what I don't want to have happen. Some people right here would just drop it and be like, no, I want to just focus on the one that feels better and then drop the imagination and just feel that feeling, which I am doing right now. Let me just take a moment to do that. However, as I'm holding on to that vibration, I'm loving that clear head, clear thoughts, looking forward to the conversation, being present with myself, with it. My energy is shifting. I can feel it inside. But I also want to look at why did I go immediately down the primrose path first? Why did I go down the worst case scenario first? Practice. Yes, obviously. I have a practiced habit of looking at the worst case scenario and then what, doing what I call playing chess, which is if you've ever grown up with an abuser or a narcissist sociopath like my father, you think about something that's going to happen, you obviously imagine worst case scenario because that is their modus operandi, that is their MO, that is how they operate. It's always worst case scenario. I've never met a narcissist or a sociopath who made a bad situation better. They always make a bad situation worse. And, of course, I have to think about getting around their ego and how to tactfully approach the subject. But, because of this program, I immediately go to chess first and justifying why I'm having the conversation, thinking about all the likely things they're going to respond with. That's chess, right? You think multiple moves ahead instead of being present with what is, where all your power is. Some people might just go, well, whatever it is is going to be perfect, and then let go, and if that works for you, that's awesome. But I'm kind of fascinated with why I chose the worst-case scenario to look at. And a, and a plan for. 
that's so much more interesting to me. Because if I can find that, I can walk it back. Now, there's two ways to approach it. The original way, which is probably as good, if not better, than the my way, the Larry way. The way to approach it is to forgive, first of all, right? Yourself, have unconditional love for yourself and see like, oh, I see where I fell down. You know, we're learning to walk, we're learning to ride a bike, we fall down and it's okay. So I see where I fell down. I started playing chess. I imagined worst case scenario and planned for it. I started to see it in my mind's eye and, and have the conversation, the tough conversation in my mind's eye first, which is one of the reasons imagination is there one of the one of the reasons imagination is there is to be able to work out things in the imagination before they happen in physical reality to try to to attempt to lessen um any well, not necessarily frustration but try to lessen like if i'm building a shelf i want to plan it in my mind to get all the materials to you know think about okay the steps and things like that so if you build it in your mind first, it's easier to build it in physical reality. It doesn't mean you won't come up against uh, things you didn't plan for, obviously. Plan, you know, expect the unexpected or whatever. But the imagination is to help you build things in your mind so it's easier to build things in physical reality. You imagine it first. Everything you've ever seen it was imagined first. And then it was created. But with people and discussions, is it better? And I'm not saying it is or it isn't. But is it better to keep think like, have the tough conversation in your head first? Maybe to pull out the bullet points that you want ahead of time. Like, I want to make sure I discuss these things. But is it best to hear their reaction in your head and then you're arguing with a phantom at that point like you hear their reaction you you talk to that you hear another reaction you talk to that you're 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 talking to your ego you're talking to your imagination is that better than the real life thing because what if you have all these conversations and by the way when you're imagining having a tough conversation in your head it's not like you feel good about it rarely i would be shocked if you did because it's uncomfortable and you're looking at worst case scenarios and so you're all also feeling bad when you're having this conversation in your head but more than that what if they throw you a curveball that you didn't think about then <laughs> then you're forced to come back to the present moment and now all that planning was for naught when if you just spent time in the present moment connected to your heart and stayed curious. You'd be like, ooh, I didn't see this. And then your curiosity would take over and be like, let's talk about that. So is it better to have a tough conversation in your mind first? I don't think so. I think it's good to have the bullet points you want to talk, maybe. To think through that, like, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to make sure I say. And then maybe think about how you want to say those things. It's also probably good to think about the energy you want to approach the situation. Like, if it's a confrontation and you see these people in your future, 
then imagine a future where you look back and laugh about this situation. Meaning, like, if you want them in your future, you're going to have to come at it soft and gentle, firm in what you want to say. But you're going to have to come at it kind of soft, gentle, curious, open. And you got to take full responsibility for your end of this. And as I say that, I'm thinking... Where is my responsibility on my end of this confrontation? Not confrontation per se, uh, of this thing that needs to be spoken about, this self-sabotage I'm witnessing. Um, Where is my end of it? It's a two-way street, it's between two people. Maybe I didn't reaffirm our intentions enough with what we were trying to create together. Which is a good awareness. I thought I did, though. It's so funny, like... Things will be going along fine, you're not even looking at this relationship or this situation. And then all of a sudden, something happens, you're like, oh, okay, I gotta recheck in. And maybe that's it. Maybe this is a recheck in. Maybe this is a recheck in and just be like, oh, okay, like we need to clear some air here. <clears throat> but anyway, I don't know exactly where. Maybe it's my expectations. There it is. I had an expectation of something. I had an expectation that the agreement we made was still what we were doing, and obviously it's not. So there's my end of it. I'm attached to the expectation. Okay, there's my end of it. Now I can detach from the expectation. And I can see that I can do everything alone. The universe will guide me, bring me people that want to help. I don't need a person because that's codependency. Okay. 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 All right. Cool. I think I put too much attached to an expectation, which is an attached to imagined outcome. I also assumed that even though knowing what I know about the ego, I assumed that what they were telling me was the truth. Well, it's so fascinating. Here's the... If you haven't heard me say this before, the ego is a... A stagnant machine. It wants to keep you stuck. And so it's gonna it's gonna sabotage the person in the situation most likely to help you get unstuck. Or the person or situation most likely to bring you multiple perceptions. And um, even though I've said that, I still find it surprising when people push me away. Like, I am the situation or person most likely to help someone. And I've seen this with my clients. You know, they'll just out of the blue, even if they paid me, they'll just out of the blue say, oh, I need to do this, I need to take a space, I need to take a break or whatever. It's like, it's only a 12-week cycle. <laughs> like, you need to take a break? Okay. 
and then you never hear from them again. I've had that happen multiple times. Uh, because we're getting so much work done, because we're loosening the ego's grip over perception. We're giving the heart back the power, back the throne, and the ego doesn't like that, so it pushes me away. It's fascinating how I know that, and yet I'm still surprised when people push me away. That is a good awareness for me. Man, it's interesting to be that person in so many people's lives that is the thing or person that's likely to help them. And then watch as they push me away. Or their egos push me away, rather. There's probably a better way to say that. Their egos pushing me away. Anywho, where was I? I was taking side in mine and I was detaching from my expectations. <sighs> now, from this energy, I can tell you that the best case scenario and the worst case scenario are probably not likely to happen. I'm going to not assume the best. I'm going to feel the feeling of the, the wish fulfilled. I'm going to feel the feeling of um, it's just a recheck in and you know it's going to strengthen our relationship and everything's going to be great. I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm not going to create any expectations around it, but most likely, if I was to look back and re-listen to this a week from now, most likely it's going to be somewhere in between the two extremes. Because hope is saying the best case scenario is going to happen. And then when it, if you attach to it and say, oh, that's not what I hoped for, or that's not what I preferred, then you don't get the lesson out of it. So we hold on to the vibration, drop the imagination, be present with whatever comes, be curious about it. What is it there to teach you? What is it there to show you? Right? We stay in the positive state. Everything is happening for me. This is the way I do. This is my back doorway. Is instead of looking at the worst case scenario as the most likely, I usually say, well, if the worst case scenario happens, if that thing that I don't prefer happens, it will be the highest and best. Because that's all that could ever happen. Everything is there for me. So if that's going to come, that's the highest and best even if it's what I don't prefer. I would rather you focus on the best possible outcome, feel the feeling, drop the imagination, stay curious and present with whatever comes, work through it, make sure you're open to being wrong. It's very important. Make sure you're open to being wrong. If you're not open to being wrong, you're in denial and you're in control of the ego. Right? Always remember you do not grow if you're right. You cannot grow without being wrong. And so that's why narcissists are perpetual seven, eight-year-old children in adult bodies. They can't grow. They have Peter Pan syndrome. Because they're never wrong. 
also I would rather you do it that way than the Lariat but if your mind is tormenting you with the worst case scenario try the Lariat I can't help it it just keeps going to the worst case scenario then that's what's highest and best that's the best thing for you if the worst case scenario destroys your life you will know who you really are let it all go the name the people the money the business everything that you're worried about a house the car everything that you're worried about losing so what if you lose it all won't you know who you are who you are is underneath all that shit I had a soul crushing event happen in February I mean to the point of suicidal thoughts I mean serious suicidal thoughts February after the ego died still through that that huge healing process are you gonna get over okay I guess not um And what I noticed was soul crushing means soul revealing. I know who I am because of that experience. I am unconditional love that spreads. Underneath it all, that's what I am. Underneath the name and the stuff and the voice and the body. All I've written, all I've created, underneath all of that nonsense. Oh, that's not nonsense, but underneath all the superficial, that's what I am underneath it all. And I know that because what I perceived as worst case scenario happened. Truth be told, it wasn't the worst case scenario, it was the stagnation that caused it, the time delay between my manifestation that caused my imagination to basically rub my nose and poop and imagine that it was torture which created the feeling of being tortured. If you imagine something, or let's just stay with the worst case scenario. Let's say you're a pessimist or you have pessimistic tendencies and you're constantly looking at the worst case scenario, you're being tortured by your imagination. Do you realize that? You're being tortured by your imagination. (sighs) Your imagination is hooking you and pulling you into a horror movie. Constantly. And your emotions never fail to tell you that through negative emotion. So either you can do my way and say, then that's what's best. Or you can say, why am I constantly looking at the worst case scenario? Can I spend as much time looking at the glasses half full can I play with the trinity if I spend five minutes thinking about the worst case scenario can I spend five minutes thinking about the best case scenario can you be the perceiver that chooses between both of them and chooses the way you want to feel 
And if it won't let go, can you go talk to the inner child and ask it what the hell is going on? Why is it? Where's the trauma underneath this? Be worried about whatever it is, a conversation. Here I am investigating my propensity to do that, at least in this situation, and I'm finding my attachment, my expectation. I expected it to go a certain way. And it didn't. And here's the negative emotion to show me that. Oh. Cool. Expectation. Expectation is a hell of a thing. Nothing causes more misery on this planet. Besides maybe the belief that you or God doesn't love you. Or God's love could be withheld from you for any reason. Expectation is one of those... It just constantly breaks your heart. No one breaks your heart, they break your expectations. And when that happens, your heart is there to tell you, Stop attaching. Let go of this. Like a hot coal. Let go, otherwise you're going to hurt. I don't need to have this play out the way I thought it would in my imagination. That means there's something higher and better happening that I can't see. But the truth always reveals itself. It always does. That's why curiosity is such a powerful tool. If you want to find the truth, you got to be curious. You got to ask questions. You got to go seeking it. You don't assume anything. Assuming and curiosity are polar opposites. You can't have one and the other. You can't assume and be curious. You can't be curious and assume. Right? So I want to get curious about what's happening. I want to get curious about why it's coming. I want to get curious with this other person and the co-collaborative experience. Why is this happening? Remember, you're a seeker of the truth, not a finder of the truth. Or at the very least, not an attacher to the truth. You can find the truth. You can hear the truth. You know the truth when you hear it. But you immediately have to let it go. Because the truth is always evolving, as everything is. If you're not in line with the ego. Everything is always evolving. And that's the truth is no different. So you have to find it and then let it go. And the next time you need that piece of truth, you've got to check back in. Is that still the highest truth? And what I'm hearing myself say is that that expectation might have been the highest truth three to six months ago. And now it's not. And instead of being like, what the fuck, universe? I thought I was doing this right. All it is is the truth is fluid and it changed and I need to change with it. That's all. The truth is fluid. What does that mean? 
there are universal truths that are slow to change. But a lot of them, you know, the, the five laws are a great example. These are things that aren't going to change. They're laws of the universe. But truths can change. Right? I always use the old one, like, a woman's place was in the home. That was true 100 years ago and before that. But now evolution is moving that truth to a different place where women are no longer just childbearers, just like men are, just, are no longer providers. We both have to share those responsibilities for interdependence to take place. We, work, we were working off of a codependent type model for basically all of the third density, third phase of evolution. And now we're moving into a different phase of evolution, which means that truth is fluid and changing. And now women are not only their own providers, but can balance both raising children and working and a spiritual practice. While men are struggling, learning how to be anything but the provider. Because that's all they know. Right? So now a lot of men are being asked by their heart and by society to stay home with their kids or share more in that responsibility. And of course, more men are being asked to take on the spiritual practice and not put so much emphasis on their worth, worthiness, or their value to society as how much money you can make or what kind of life you can provide for the family. It's changing. It's evolving. The truth is fluid like this. So if you're aligned and attached with old truth, outdated truth, you're going to look like an old person. Back in my day, we used to walk uphill both ways in the snow. Fuck off. No one cares. Thank you for getting us here. Other than that, your outdated ways of doing things don't help us. Unless you're showing us what not to do. Thanks, old timer. Appreciate it. And it doesn't matter the age. It matters the belief systems. I've seen young people with staunch, old, outdated belief systems. It's super disturbing. When I meet a young racist, I'm like, what the fuck is this? You were brainwashed and you believe this way outdated thinking. I mean, I don't know if it ever was in date to be racist, but you know what I'm saying. Super old outdated. I'm like, you, you were brainwashed into this and you still believe it? This is, this is hundreds of years old nonsense. So it doesn't matter the age, it matters the belief system that's super old and outdated. Right? Do you see, if you, if you, if you came across a teenager who's like a woman's place is in the home, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Most adults would. At this point. Unless they're raised, unless those young people are raised by outdated thinkers. People stuck in the hill country or whatever. Or the rural areas that don't seem to grow as fast because there's less new ideas, there's less new perceptions to bounce off of each other. It's all singular perception. Right? And they like it that way. I feel accepted by people who think like me. I feel accepted everywhere because I don't care if no one doesn't accept me. I accept me. I love me. I never ask anyone else to do that. 
Now, maybe my soul might not do because I'm still ask her a little bit to love on me. But still, I'm working on it. It's one of my things I'm working on. How do you know you're a master of self-love when you do not demand love from anyone for any reason? And that includes attention and validation as well. Being seen, someone hearing your point, all of that. I don't need any of that shit. Well, I'm getting there. Still work to do. I don't want validation. I have it. I have the validation I need. I get the downloads. I hear the messages from my heart. I saw the ego die. I, I grieved it. I am grieving it. I don't need anybody to tell me what happened. How the fuck would they anyway? I mean, I guess somebody could muscle test or connect to my heart or whatever and see that the ego's dead. But still, I don't need that. I never asked anybody to do that. I feel like I've just ranted for an hour, which is cathartic and good. And I'm grateful because I see my attachments and my expectations. the worst case scenario be the most likely and why would we spend time preparing for said worst case scenario instead of just being curious I wonder what's going to happen with this conversation that's coming I mean remember business is people you're going to have to deal with people which means you're going to have to deal with your expectations there is no way to interact with people without having expectations I'm sorry. Let me take, let, let me rephrase that. Take take a step back. More than likely, when you deal with people, you and them are going to create expectations un, expectations unconsciously, because an expectation is simply a future event that you've attached to. Saying, okay, okay, let's let, let's talk about this for a second. Let me wrap it up with this. What's the difference between an, an, a, um, an expectation and a preference? An expectation, you, your mind goes into the future, either unconsciously or consciously. You're in your imagination, you're imagining the future. You pick the one that you think is best, your highest and best, based on your perception, which is usually based on your past. You choose that one and then attach to it and say, if this is how you attach. If this doesn't happen, I'm going to be unhappy. If this doesn't happen, God doesn't love me. That's attachment. If this, then that. It's the happiness equation. I can't be happy without this thing. My life sucks without this thing. That's attachment. The victim story is triggered if this thing doesn't happen. That's attachment. A preference is something the highest and best and by your awareness, that's what you prefer, but you don't attach to it. You don't say, without it, I won't be happy. You just say, this is what I would like to have happen. However, if the universe sees a better way to do this, I'm open to that as well. <clears throat> it also doesn't mean you just drop your preference when whatever happens, happens. 
But that's maybe later down. Let's talk about that later. We're almost going to wrap this up. But you see the difference between a preference and an, an expectation. I prefer not to have my wallet stolen at knife point or gunpoint. But if it does happen, I don't say that the universe doesn't love me or, or God abandoned me or my life sucks. It's just a thing that happened. And I love myself and I love source and I love existence exactly the same as before it happened or even more ideally I love the perp the person who needed that wallet so desperately needed it way more than me I love the event I love myself I love love I love that I'm still here a preference doesn't make you break your heart a preference doesn't have your heart communicate to you through negative emotion if it doesn't happen that's the difference between a preference and an expectation and you don't force your preferences because you're not attached to them because you're not saying this has to happen for me to be happy you say this is what I prefer and then you let go now if you see an opportunity to make the preference happen and your heart wants you to do that then go for it but you don't like manipulate force control blame you don't do any of that shit to make your preference happen you do that shit to make your expectation happen and I needed to hear me say that because it was a preference to have this person work with me or it was an expectation and now I'm shifting it into a preference that's probably better I expected this person to do some things. I expected this person to work on my team. But now I'm shifting it to a preference. I would prefer that, but if the universe says we have to go our separate ways, then that's the way it is. And I love them and me, and I'm open, since no boundaries were crossed, I'm open to them coming back and trying again later down the road. Later down the road. <laughs> All right, I better wrap it up. I don't even know what to call this one. What did we talk about? I feel like I just ranted. You just call it preferences versus expectations. Boom. And that's how you know. Now you know how I name podcasts. Even if no one listened to this, I am grateful to be able to express my gift. It doesn't matter who hears it or doesn't hear it. I heard it because I'm the one who needed to. I prefer if a lot of people heard my message, which is that unconditional love is the actual way of things. Source is love is unconditional love. Existence means unconditional love. You're unconditionally loved at all times. Nothing will ever change that. It's only an experience in your imagination that it couldn't be. Because you can't actually not be unconditionally loved. That can't actually happen. But you can imagine that you're not unconditionally loved by source that you're conditionally loved by source you can imagine it and then experience it in this virtual reality but it's not the truth I would prefer a lot of people heard that message but I'm not attached to it I don't expect it I love you thank you I hope you got something out of this be gentle with yourselves and each other good journey my friends